From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. Neil's in the Clark Ford studio. I'm at home this afternoon. We are recording at 4 o'clock on Sunday. That feels relevant, just in case anything happens to happen. I don't know. It feels like timestamps are big deals. Neil, for about the 14th time in the last uh, eight months, has jury duty on Monday morning. So we are uh, getting a podcast to you. You're obviously here at the same time. No live stream. Hopefully to God, we are uh, resuming our normal activities on Tuesday, but you're going to get some baseball talk today, some spring football talk, the Grove Bowl on Saturday, and then uh, a pretty important recruit on campus as well. So those are the main topics, maybe some other things too. We'll see. Probably gets uh, waited till the, waited till later in the week for other things. But nonetheless, the podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Lunch special is 569, two sides, breath, 32-ounce drink. Still trying to give you 10 bucks. We do that by uh, you downloading the Exxon mobile app. Take a picture of the QR code right there at the pump. And when you do that, $10. Even at the pump, you're filling up at the time with the Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi. And again, Mr. McCready's in the Clark Ford studio. I am Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do. Let's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Guest will join on the uh, Rafters Music and Food Hotline over the course of the week. I certainly hope. And um, Rafters is a great place to come. If you're, next time you come into town, well, a lot of people, lots of people are in town over the weekend. Next time you come back, stop at Rafters, grab a uh, burger, po' boy, appetizers, full bar, uh, great beer selection, all of that and more. Rafters, music and food on the square in Oxford and also Rafters in uh, New Albany. Yeah, one hell of a crowd for those night concerts on the square with Double Decker over the course of the weekend. I was uh, I was occupied with sporting events that took a really long time on Friday and Saturday, so I was uh, I was home afterward. But I mean, almost to the point of look, I'm I'm happy for everybody. It was a success. They waited a long time to get a normal calendar Double Decker. But like I had, I'm not claustrophobic, and I had some claustrophobia just looking at some of those photos over yeah. the weekend. Yeah, my thought was how how would you go find another drink? Like where, where would you go? Where would you go get the drink? I mean, how would you get there? I mean, the, the mass of humanity was. Yeah. It was, and, it looked like a mosh pit that if a street can be one in one out, it was one in one out. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for all the businesses. I'm thrilled for Oxford and the hotels and all of that stuff. And the people that after that, uh, being taken away for a couple of years was, was, uh, was brought back and, Mm-hmm. hopefully scenes like that can make it where nobody ever even contemplates going back again yeah it was a huge huge, huge weekend so um yeah congratulations to to leanne stubbs and double decker and kenny and all those people um so- and, and by the way and by the way i, I i'm gonna say this I, i'm a person who believes in fulfilling his or her civic duty uh-huh and 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 i have in the past i've been on juries before if 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 somehow 
I'm not back in the studio conducting a regular live stream on Tuesday. Um, I'm not one to ask for your prayers. I'm not. I've never been that guy. But send some vibes because I, 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 I don't. I emo. I know. I, I, I think I'm just going to say in tomorrow in the little voir dire thing. I, I, I'm, I'm not mentally fit to do this at this point. This I'm, is I'm not, not the time for you to be sequestered on some, uh, some yeah. murder trial somewhere. I, I'm not emotionally capable of this at this point. I've done my, I've done my duty. It's time to move on. Time to pick someone else. Time, someone else have a turn. Maybe somewhere down the road, I'll, I'll step back in there and do it. But today is not that day. Today is not that day. I wonder how that would go over. It's just, I'm not mentally fit, Your Honor. So. Three main topics, all uh, to some form of relevance. Where do you want to start? What do you want? What do you want to talk about first? Uh, uh yeah, the three topics. There's the the, the the spring game, which I think is the least. I mean, it's the least interesting thing. I mean, I've got, I, I can give some takes, but it's not. Uh, it's it's yeah. not going to be very uh, very oven mitty. It was a football practice. The one thing we'll start there because we'll touch it, then we'll get to the stuff that I think has meat. The one thing that really strikes me is. In, in November of 2019, Ole Miss was one of the least relevant football programs in the SEC that I'd ever been around. I, I don't, I don't mean that offensive. I hope nobody gets offended by that. And I had no, friends, sure. friends that were in that program. It just, it had no juice to it. And it's amazing to me that, and again, it's April, and I'm not, I'm not hot taking a spring game. I just can't. But. The one thing that really struck me, Chase, and you and I have not talked about this. Um, we've talked a few times this weekend and not about this. I was struck by how relevant um, Ole Miss is today in April. How relevant, how, how outside of Alabama, which is this super elite program, and Georgia, which just won the national championship, and the fight between SC and Oklahoma. Yeah, but in the SEC, sure. Yeah. Outside of those two programs, I don't know that any any. You're right. That that is a compelling storyline. Um, people are figuring out a way to get those two teams in a ball game. Um, but outside of that, I don't know that there's a more compelling storyline in the SEC than Ole Miss. I, the the media loves it. The media is drawn to it national media, regional media. I get all these people that want to talk about the quarterbacks and stuff. And, and, and Lane's, Lane Kiffin's ability to make a spring game kind of fun from a, from a program standpoint in such a way where the kids involved have fun, but it's to project fun um, and a looseness and stuff outside to appeal to future players is, uh, is really remarkable. His, his ability to market – is um, I know we talk about it a lot. I don't think we give it enough credit. So I've been in a little bit of a 72-hour bubble for the most part. He did the uh, the sneaker thing. I mean, Chris Partridge, you've been having uh, highlight TVs inside his shoes over the course of uh, a course of Saturday. He did – we'll get to Rashada. We did a pretty good job on social media for Rashada, getting him to do it. The, the, I mean, the crowd was nothing crazy, but you're right. Just the way they were able to do marketing and social concepts, you've got Lane Kiffin, who's always interesting in the media, period, no matter what he's doing. I mean, he can be doing nothing, and it's still interesting. You've got a quarterback competition. You've got these different things. I, I guess that's my question is, what was it do you feel like was driving that interest from an Ole Miss spring yeah. game standpoint? 
Yeah, so it's it's a few things. Well, and so for full disclosure, I, I wasn't at the Grove Bowl. And so um, my sister-in-law, Elizabeth, is an artist. She had two booths at Double Decker. And her sister, who's my wife, um, was helping her. And that had been arranged for a long time. And um, Carson had soccer in, in Memphis. And so I, I had to get Carson to, uh, to Memphis and was in Memphis from 7 a.m. until, I don't know, 2.30 or 3. But I watched the game on my phone. I was the guy that was getting his steps in, watching the game on, on his phone, walking around between soccer games. And what struck me about it was um, most spring game broadcasts are hideously boring. And Lane was able, and I, I'm assuming most of these ideas were his, he was able to make it entertaining. He even let the media talk to uh, Nicewander during the game, who was one of the coaches who was dressed up as – had his tie on. He was fully, his, fully decked. Yeah, he, he he was. You know, they, he said he was channeling his um, his Johnny Vaught, and I kind of agreed with. I, I guess it was Tom Hart who said he appeared to be sort of channeling a, a, his, his inner Pat Dye from back in the day. But they did. They just made stuff like that fun, and uh, you know, Lane spent a decent amount of time on the broadcast, especially early, talking about things, talking about transfer portals. Um, just, I think it's a lot of that. I think people are starting to acknowledge that Lane might be here for a while. I think that storyline, the hey, he's he's only going to be there for one year, two years. He's he's gone. And and look, there was there were some people, self included, who thought last year that there was a real chance he was leaving after year two. And we're um, not saying he's definitely not. Look, we're not guaranteeing a time yeah. limit on his tenure. But I think it's becoming. I think it's becoming obvious that he's at least considering the idea that he's going to be there a while. And he obviously has completely embraced the transfer portal in a way that I, look, there are two or three other programs in the league that have, have been almost as active in the portal as Ole Miss, but not in the way act, not, not in, not in almost the public way that Lane has. I mean, Lane doing the hashtag transfer to the SIP and all that stuff. I mean, all that, all that to me is, is almost going, Hey, here's who we're going to be. But we're going to be fun, and we're going to be this energetic program, and we're going to be loose and all the powder blue because powder blue is kind of a more fun color, frankly, than navy blue. Sure. And and I I think it's all brand, and I think people have I think people are outside who are outside of the program who uh, just watch. I think they're they're more drawn to it. I think they're more interested in it. They're interested to see what happens next with Ole Miss, and um, I think all of that's a credit to to Lane and what he's been able to do from a branding standpoint and to Ole Miss. And I wrote about this the other day to Ole Miss for being a program that was willing to go, okay, you know what? We feel like we have a lot of stuff that we've done that are really cool. And, you know, it's not our first year of football. In fact, it's our hundred and something year of football, but maybe letting you be our brand is a good thing. That's where I was going is that we've talked about this a lot where outside of a couple schools and even then it's a personality of the coach, but the coach kind of is the brand. I mean, that that's the sport. That is college football. You know, Nick Saban's robot methodical, whatever is Alabama. It wasn't, that wasn't Alabama prior to Nick Saban. I mean, you look at it and all these different things are, are through the coaches. So it's not even necessarily niche. It's just the way it is. But what Lane has done for Ole Miss is it's give them a credibility that the college football observer, the the you know the person from Dubuque as we talk about, or the media, or whomever, 
in the past, Ole Miss football, when they had really big seasons, people look for a reason why they had a season and was a team more than a program. It was, you know, well, okay, Eli Manning had a hell of a senior year or, you know, they did this or, okay, you know, Hugh Freeze took that one class and he had that one class that was great and Robert Kondichie and Laramie, Laramie Tunzel and Laquan Treadwell, but then it fell off. Lane has been able to provide something where people are expecting Ole Miss to have some staying power. I'm not saying they're going to the Sugar Bowl next year, but they're not going to have that fall off. They think as long as Lane's in Oxford, they're going to be interesting, and there's just a quality upper-tier SEC program. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time when we come out of probation. It was, hey, Ole Miss is just a football team now, which is a huge step after the three years of hell and the five years of hell and all the probation stuff. And now they're just seen as a top five, top six, however you want to do it, SEC team that's going to be competing and competitive and win games and uh, attracts talent in its own way. But, you know, even that is, you know, it's not even necessarily seen that way as its own way. Yeah, the portal thing's interesting, but nobody nationally is going, oh, God, Ole Miss can't recruit because they're jumping on a bunch of portal guys. They just see, oh, they got the USC quarterback and the USC tied in and that guy and that guy and Zach Evans that we always hear about and the recruitments remember him from high school. He's given them a certain staying power that has not been the case at Ole Miss in a long time. Now, look, he's got to follow it up. they got to put a good season together. But there's the opportunity to do that and kind of take that extra step. Yeah, it's well put. Uh, I, I agree. Um, that's just kind of what struck me about it, watching from afar. And, you know, there was – Throughout the day, I was like, "Ah, oh, this literally really looks bad that I'm not here. I need to be here and all that stuff, or need to be there and all that stuff. And I was ended up being kind of glad because watching the broadcast allowed me to have a different perspective than I think I would have had had I been in the stadium. And in oh, the I'm press, glad you did it sure. because I knew nothing you just said. I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean, you know how it is when we cover a game. I mean, I'm sure. seeing what's on the field, but I ain't got a clue what the TV people are saying. Yeah, you know, and, and I suspect if you were in the stadium, it was just kind of a spring game, right? But on TV, mm -hmm. because of the things that they did, they kind of created an environment where it could, I don't know, man, almost look like a football carnival, which I think is a good thing in the spring. Now, you know, in, in the season, it's a different deal because you're in the scoreboard business at that point. You got to win games, and if you win games, each game that you win, the next one gets bigger and all of that stuff. But there's no sense in trying to turn – a spring game into this litmus test for your program. It's like, stop. I mean, it just can't. And the people that do that, and there are people that do it, they, they always fall flat. This is, a, you know, it's a big game. Every time you take the field, it's a big opportunity. No, 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 no. I mean, you play the game and make sure nobody gets hurt and, and get on with it and have some fun and show the fans some of the, some of the new faces. And like, you know, the, they've got an opportunity to see Michael Trigg and to see uh, uh, Ulysses Bentley and, you know, you got a chance to see Troy Brown for the first time. And maybe you saw Mason Brooks at, at tackle for the first time and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, what stuck out on TV was, hey, this is a fun place. This is a fun program. This is a program that has its own identity. And, sure, uh, you know, those, those things matter, Chase. They really do. So on the field, you mentioned it. There's no there's no reason to actually stick with this for any period of time because like it, it, it you, you can't make it be too much. Yeah. Um. And Lane said in the thing, "Hey, look, I mean, it's just another practice. The guys that were bad today were good last week, maybe or whatever. I mean, he's not putting a ton. You know, everybody goes, oh, God, spring game. Well, yeah, but it was one of how many ever practices? That's all. One of that's the, one of fifteen yeah, practices. That's the lens that it's being viewed at inside the program. And one of five. Someone told me this, and this is kind of interesting. It was one of five, quote, scrimmage, you know, Saturday deals. Well, actually right. one of four because the first one wasn't a scrimmage at all. Right. And 
of the scrimmages, if you will, it was probably the least important one. Oh, you know, because it was well, just because you, you were div- you you were dividing the teams and you were you know you, you knew it was on TV, you weren't going to show anything. It was going to be pretty basic, and they had some injuries and stuff like that. So you know, not that any of them are going to result in coaches making depth chart decisions, but. You know, in terms of like, hey, what what weight are we putting on this in terms of how we evaluate where we're going moving forward? It was probably the one that has the, had the least weight. So quarterbacks, I mean, we got to at least mention it. Luke Altmaier was okay. Um, he committed, he, I think he was, he completed 41% of his passes for a hundred and something yards. I forget that exact number. Uh, he was, a, he was, he was, he was a less, efficient, less accurate version of what we've seen the entire fall or as far entire spring, which is not really turning it over or not taking a ton of chances, mostly staying inside the system, doing the right things. And of the two of them, he was the better quarterback. Um, Kincaid Dent ran two series, one for each team. He was really good. He was, uh, I forget his entire number, his, all of his numbers, maybe 12 for 13. He was very good. Yards. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was really, really good. Now he was asked, Lane was asked specifically about Kincaid in the post game and said, "Hey, really proud of him. Did a good job." But I know at another point he mentioned the two quarterbacks. I mean, it, it remains a Dent and Altmaier race based off all the sourcing and based everything Kiffin has said at this point. Right, wrong, or indifferent, whether it should or shouldn't, that's not really what we're saying. We're just saying it is, and it is what it is. Uh, Dart was awful in the first half. If we're just being honest, he was running for his life. This is a huge caveat is that Luke Altmaier had the starting offensive line. And the difference, because we've been talking about the offensive line not having depth, that is one of the key things they have got to get a little bit of before the fall. There is a massive fall-off between the starting offensive line and the second offensive line, and it is a much bigger fall-off than the first and second team defensive lines. So Dart had no time. He was running for his life. He could not stay in the system because of protection. However, in saying that, he overthrew what would have been at least two touchdowns when he did have some time. He was erratic. Lane's quote in the press conference afterwards that he was trying to win the job instead of play quarterback. Uh, He's going to probably get better as he learns learns the system over the summer and over the fall. I guess all that to say the competition rolls on. Uh, It will go into the summer. I expect it to go into the fall. I expect it to go fairly deep into the fall, if we're being completely honest, prior to the season. And – there was nothing that happened yesterday where Lane Kiffin made some startling conclusion about his quarterback race. He said two different times, we don't have to make a decision today, and then he moved on from it. He did not lose sleep over how a quarterback played on Saturday afternoon. No, in fact, he left the left the stadium and went straight into the pursuit of their next quarterback. <laughs> yeah. um, I know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> right. But to your point, so another – I guess this is another moment, right, where I, I benefited from having – being being stuck watching the broadcast. Tom Hart had obviously spent some time. I think he was in Oxford for the baseball game on He Thursday. did the baseball game on Thursday night. Thursday night. So he was in town. He had clearly spent some time talking to Lane Kiffin, getting ready for the football broadcast, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that he said, it made me feel like, hey, yeah, okay, cool, because we're, we're watching the same thing, is that going into the Grove Bowl – talking about the two quarterbacks, one quarterback, Dart, had made a lot of mistakes down the field, forcing things, trying to win the job one throw at a time. And the other quarterback, Altmaier, had been more efficient, 
but that they were trying to tap into his aggressiveness to get him to be more aggressive vertically, which is kind of what I've seen in the four practices that I saw in person. I saw kind of the same thing every time, which was Luke taking what was given to him, kind of efficiently just, you know, moving the team up the field, but not being as sharp down the field as you'd like for him to be, not taking, not ever taking really many chances. And then I saw with, with Dart the opposite of that, which was almost a tendency to become a gunslinger, a, a, a chance taker, a, uh, a, almost a refusal to just take what was given to him. And I thought, you know, that, that this is going to be interesting because this offense, if they ever get their receivers back, which is another topic, if they ever get all those guys back, you have those weapons. You want to utilize them down the field. You in the way Lane Kiffin plays, you want to take shots. That's that's who he is. Um, but you know, Lane, like every other uh, offensive coach, hates turnovers, and turnovers can kill you in in this league when you're playing the kind of schedule that Ole Miss is going to play in the back half of the season, where you're p- playing, you know, in College Station, in Baton Rouge. Uh, against Auburn at home, in Fayetteville, against Mississippi State. Those are, in all likelihood, I think everybody can take their fan glasses off enough to admit that those are probably going to be a lot of close games. And close games are decided by a mistake, typically. Um, and I think that's something that, uh, that that he's got to think about. But he's he does have time. He talked about that um, in the post game that, that's up on the site. Um he talked about that, I think it was Tuesday of last week, where he said, look, I can, I'm just going to tell you, this thing is going to go into August. And I personally, Chase, think it's probably going to go beyond August. I think both of these guys, the first four games of the season, are going to get number one reps. Let's take a break in the show to tell you about GNM Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. Give them a call right there on South Lamar in Oxford, also on the square in Holly Springs with Tyson Drugs that deliver locally in the Oxford area and the upper med sink. Put your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. You can get your medicine transferred really, really easily. You just call GM, they'll take care of the rest. So don't worry about the big box pharmacies. Trust your local community pharmacy, and that is here with GNM 662-236-2222. Podcast also brought to you by Johnston Hill Creamery. Follow them on Instagram for all the latest. You can do that at Johnston Hill Creamery. Also, JohnstonHillCreamery.com. It's right there on White Oak Lane off Molly Bar in Oxford, 662-419-9201. Make all their local cheeses in-house every single day. Small batch, artisanal cheese, charcuterie, bakery, catering, and more. You can go ahead and get on the uh, the pre-ordering for the Mother's Day menu. They got a dessert box. It's got cannolis in it, chocolate-covered strawberries, cheesecake dip, and more. They uh, have a high tea tray, that artisanal cheese box, and just if you want some chocolate-covered strawberries, they'll take care of that as well, selling them by the half dozen and the dozen. That's available for pickup May 5th through 7th. And again, you can order by calling 662-419-9201. Podcast also brought to you by Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting and understand your market leader in condo financing, the float down option and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. And if you love eating shrimp, don't typically like choosing the right option at the store or cooking at home, you're not alone. Most frozen shrimp companies available at the stores raised and processed 8,000 miles away. Poor farming practices. So don't let a bad option ruin dinner for you. 
New Orleans-based prime shrimp, primeshrimp.com. Many of you taking advantage of this over the course of the uh, last couple months. We've been proud to partner with them. They offer a straight ship to your door, restaurant-quality shrimp, 10 minutes, freezer to plate for you. you got four different options, including the new garlic herb butter, which is fantastic. It can do a shrimp scampi, put it over a steak, pasta, rice, veggies, whatever you want. That and the spicy Louisiana shrimp bowl are my two favorites. So MPW code $20 off your first order with code MPW. Again, that's primeshrimp.com. And then last but definitely not least, podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. They got the Ignite package. That's 100 Mbps. That's a lot of power. Or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's N-E-Spark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, portal controls, network security, and more. So again, 662-238-3159. Because they don't know, not in any manipulation to keep it, whatever. It's simply about the team, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. if you were, even if you had gone into the spring with, hey, we're going to manipulate this deal, we're going to fix it, we're going to make it where nobody wants to leave and everybody's cool. I mean, anybody who's watched it, you don't need Lane Kiffin to tell you which quarterback's probably ahead right now. I mean, Lane doesn't have to tell you that. If if Lane Kiffin were were to have walked up to the podium yesterday after the the scrimmage, the Grove Bowl, and said Saturday and said, "Hey, uh, Jackson Dart is our quarterback. He just won the job." People would be like, "Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Right? <laughs> wait, you, wait, what? Did you did you say? I mean, Lane, you don't. I mean, no, not, nothing against Lane Kiffin, but I mean, you don't need Lane to tell you that to to see who's ahead." But you also, and you use the right word, you also have to go take another look at what Luke didn't do and go, there's room for a lot of improvement from Luke as well. I mean, both of these guys have to get better. One, one is going to be the starter, and, but whoever it is has to improve from where he was in the spring uh, for this team to achieve its goals at the end of the year. The good news for Ole Miss, and we've talked about this, is that the way that the schedule sets up at the beginning of the year, it is going to give you some time, whether it's Altmeyer or Dart or some combination thereof, to get feet wet and and kind of figure out a little bit of what you can do and what you have around you and and, and build off of it going from there. You don't open with Alabama. You get Alabama in week seven or eight or whatever it is. Sure. Yeah, I mean Kentucky is the hardest game in the first seven weeks, or I mean, yeah, and that game's not till October the first, so you yeah. you have a minute, right? You have all of fall camp, and then you have four weeks. No, they're both going to get tons of reps because look, here's the thing with Luke: is that you can't get to a point where Luke plays to not lose the job, where he gets too conservative, where he will not throw the ball down the field. He's got to find a happy medium, just like Jackson's got to find a happy medium the other way. 100 percent and ring it you know because yeah you're right i mean lane wants two things he wants shots when shots are there and you better not turn the dang thing over a ton so which one of them is going to have to come out of their current zone yes in the middle 100 percent. and with jackson dart this is very simple he's got to stop taking shots down the field with this propensity as you've pointed out a few times in podcast over the last month with this propensity to let the ball sail on him it's resulting in picks. And in this league where you play one team after another who has NFL caliber safeties in, in the back half of the, of the secondary, you just can't make those mistakes. You've got to be more accurate than that. 
Uh, and, and then, you know, look, Altmaier had some inaccurate throws yesterday. They, they were incompletions, and they were, put, they were put in places where, you know, if the receiver didn't catch it, nobody would. But, yeah, look, I mean, it's, he, I, I doubt if he's super thrilled with either quarterback right now. But, um, but he's got time. There's no, there's no reason to rush, and they've got – I mean, look, if, if Jackson Dart – and I'm not saying he did because I don't think he did. If he came to Ole Miss thinking, this is going to be my job, I, I, if this, is a, this is a coronation, well, he knows better now. And, um, you know, if you're Luke, I think the one thing you wanted to make sure this spring that you got before you made any kind of a, a rash decision was that you were going to get a fair shot. And it's very clear that he is absolutely going to get a fair shot. Anybody that's ever been around Lane Kiffin obviously knows Lane's going to play the best quarterback. He's going to play the guy that he thinks can can win the games. Yeah, he, he's not going to lose on purpose to play a certain quarterback either way. And I doubt if he I doubt if Lane deep down knows that answer just yet. And and the other thing that's gotta and, and you you were right, as big of an issue, as much as we're going to talk about quarterbacks over the course of the next several months, finding some depth in that offensive line is absolute of paramount importance. And then they've got to figure out this wide receiver thing. They've got to figure out um I mean, they've got to close on Deion Smith. He's got to actually show up. They've got to get Deion Smith. I think they, at this point they really, really want to get Jalen Robinson, the UCF transfer who was in town over the weekend. They need Malik Heath to be as good or a little better than he's been at Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and and then you need – And you get Jalen Knox healthy. He's potentially out until June or July. At some point the dude's got to play. And you need Jonathan Mingo to get well. And he's had a second surgery. I mean, there are questions at wide receiver. About the only thing that's not a question at receiver is Michael Triggs a stud. <laughs> that dude. Well, mean, it's the one thing you could take from the spring games. You could see individual performances and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I get that. And Michael Trigg was was definitely one. I mean, he is he 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 is still young. He's going to get better. He obviously has a lot of chemistry with Dart, but that dude, I mean, he's as dynamic as they've had it tied in in a really long time. They're gonna score more than twice in the end zone from a tight end this season. Uh Evans got three carries, they got him out of there. Uh, Bentley got three or five, and they got him out of there. They were not going to risk getting one of those guys hurt. I think Judkins and Bullock were done pretty quickly, too. They also weren't tackling to the ground the entire time, so there's no reason to run the ball. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Bentley had a hell of a 46, 42-yard catch and run where he was – and he was he was stupid shifty in the open field. I mean, I kind of saw that one. All right, that's that, that, that may be my, my my guy right there. That, that that looked really good. You know, and late in the scrimmage, <laughs> it was it appeared to be they had kind of some people are starting to whisper to one another, "Hey, let's 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 uh, let's hold hands here and let's let's get out of here alive and nobody get hurt here at the end." So I'm not going to read too much into that, except for what you said. You're right. You 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 do get an opportunity to look at some guys and. Say, I mean, like, uh, Jared, I, I'm, I'm going to confuse uh, Ole Miss's Ivy and the, the Ivy from Purdue until the NBA drafts. So everybody can just get over it. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, but like you saw with Jared Ivy, that he's he's got real ability off the edge. I thought Piggies looked good at times at, at defensive line. I just thought that he's was- in better shape. Piggies really has improved his body even in the last two to three months. He was because because we talked to him after the game. He he, he, he looks different. I think he's got a chance to to be a little better than I even thought he was going to be. I thought Troy Brown got better as the as the spring went on, as he got more comfortable. He talked he got about healthy that. too. He was banged yeah. up a little bit. He talked about that in the show that we did uh, last week. So, 
you know, I, I don't know, but just I'm not going to be the guy that walks away from spring going with all these things. But the two things, to, the three things that stand out to me are are they they still have to find a quarterback. They still desperately need to develop offensive line depth, and then I think there's some concern at wide receiver. I think it can be alleviated, and my gut is it probably will be alleviated at least to a major degree. But going into the going into the month of May, I think it's probably something that if if you're telling me something's keeping Lane Kiffin up at night, it's probably that. The one last thing that is a, a credit to him, it's about Ivy, it's about Pegues. Lane Kiffin mentioned that when he arrived on campus. Defensive line was by far their weakest link, and it, it may be their strongest unit now. If they, they don't have the Sam Williams, but Cedric truly come on. They've got some guys. That is a really, really talented SEC too deep on the defensive line. They've done a good job. Guys have taken steps. Linebackers still a little bit of a question. You don't know what Austin Keys is going to look like. You're, you know, we hadn't seen Troy Brown and Reginald Hughes in SEC games yet, but defensive line, they've done a really nice job. And then in the back half, there may not be a star, but they've got a lot of really good college football players in that secondary. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But the defense has got a chance Agreed. to be pretty good. Agree. I mean, it's it's you know AJ Finley continues to take steps every year. He's just a really good football player. And that's yet another reason to go. Hey, it might be okay at quarterback because you're going to have some time. Yeah, you're not going to go to Atlanta going. Hey, we're playing Georgia Tech, and hey guys, we're probably going to need 42 points. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's a positive that you have a little bit of a time. Look, there's, there, you can only delay it for so long, but but I do think the way the schedule sets up, they're going to have until that first week of of October to kind of find themselves offensively and having a what I think is going to be a much improved defense is a big part of that. So sets up easily as you mentioned. Like Kiffin leaves the spring game, he uh, he goes to talk to Rashada, who is in town, but oh, still here, I guess, right now for his official visit. Got some pictures on social media with hanging out in a uh, in a Rolls Royce with uh, with the dog Juice, which is the British retriever that Lane purchased here in the last week or so. Uh, it, it, it does take Lane to get a luxury vehicle and a and a retriever in the same photo with his star quarterback <laughs> recruit that he has in town. I, I cracked up pretty good over the course of uh, over the course of that one. But you wrote about it on Saturday, Ole Miss. Uh, Definitely in the game for Rashada, and it's still looking for that uh, that that 2023, 2022, whatever quarter, 2022, 2023, 2023, 2023. Yeah, 2023. Yeah. They're signing whatever, but yes, 2023 quarterback uh, as uh, as this thing moves forward. I'll kind of let you set it up however you like to at this point. Well, they got Jaden Rashada in. I don't think they knew they were having getting him in until first part, maybe even middle part of the week last week. And uh, yeah, he visited Arkansas a weekend earlier. And, um, you know, like I wrote, Arkansas coveted him as well. I'm sure still covets him. I think it's present tense. But, you know, what was interesting about it is that there's been a market that's been established with the quarterbacks or that it's complicated, right? The Nico, I'm a leave a $8 million thing which is exactly what it is. I don't know why people can't just come out and say that's who it is. Obviously, if you're a, another highly ranked quarterback, you look at that and go, okay, so he's worth $8 million. Arch Manning's out there, and there are numbers around Arch that are higher than $8 million. You, um, you go, well, you know, what's my, what's my market? And you bring up NIL, and um, you, um, you, you – 
take these visits and people look at it and go, okay, well, so is that going to be your price? Is what, what is, what's your price going to be? And I think for some people, just the fact that the market has kind of been established in a certain way has scared people off. Like I think on Monday, Arkansas is going to get uh, a, a commitment from Malachi Singleton, who's a quarterback out of Georgia, who's a good quarterback, but not in the rarefied air that, that uh, Rashada's in. Um, you know, Ole Miss had Marcel Reed in town over the weekend. He took some of those same pictures with Lane Kiffin, didn't get the same attention, but he took some of them. Um, I think Ole Miss wants Rashada. And I think getting – I think I think they're clearly involved. I think the weekend went extremely well. Um, look, is Ole Miss going to go to $6 million on a quarterback? They're not. They don't have it. That's not, that's not where, they're, where they are today. Can Ole Miss compete in NIL? I think so. And I think that staff looks at it and, and says, you have to. You can lean on the portal and you can lean into the portal, but at some point, if you're going to be a national program, and there's no question Lane Kiffin intends to be a national program, at some point, if you're going to be a national program, you've got to sign the national kid out of high school to come be, you know, one of the future faces of your program. And there's risk involved in that because as we talked about, you know, last week, and I talked about it with Tyler on, on Thursday's show. Um, there are high profile kids that bust at the college level that can't answer the lights, that can't play under the lights, that can't handle the pressure, that can't make the adjustment, that their body doesn't grow into what you thought it would grow into. All of those things. But you have to take those chances. You can't just be completely dependent on the portal. At some point, you've got to make that next step. And for Ole Miss, that's their next step. And I think they're heavily involved on Rashada. Now, there are other people that are. Oregon's still involved. And they're very uh, advanced on NIL, but not as far along as some people claim them to be. Miami's involved, and Miami has, has played the NIL game. Uh, Texas A&M offered last week. And there's talk about Texas A&M. Uh, you know, getting him to, to College Station, and you've seen what's happened with A&M in, in, in terms of, of NIL. So there's, there's still a long way to go, but there was a real optimism kind of in and around the program involving Ole Miss's chances with Rashada. And I'm not saying it's a make-or-break deal because it's not, but knowing that, hey, this is, this is, the, new, this is the new landscape of, of college football recruiting and saying – Okay, and taking a step into it with a guy that you believe is is a uh, is a program is a potential future face of the program guy, and I do believe Ole Miss thinks that, and I think it's imperative, Chase, that you at least do everything you can to get one of those guys on the year that Arch Manning is coming out, as it's becoming more and more apparent to me and to others that Arch Manning and Ole Miss that's not going to happen. Um. You know, if, if Ole Miss doesn't get Arch Manning and gets Jaden Rashada, cool. You got your guy. Yeah, I, you know, look, you, you, you've got to just no, – no matter what's going on with Arch in that class, you've got to you got to get your guy. You've got to get a quarterback. You've got to do what's best for your program. But there's no doubt that that would help tremendously not getting Arch Manning to get one of these big game, big game guys a sure. quarterback. And there's only so many. I and mean, what's, what's funny about this NIL thing is that, yeah, sure, A&M offers and jumps in, but there's only so many – 
programs that can even get involved in that race. It is actually limited because Ole Miss is aware of this from the other side where they haven't been able to get in or have ch- chosen not to spend large amounts of their of, of their pool or capital, however you want to put the collective, uh, toward a lot of recruits over the course of this NIL era. But it's not like 10 programs are going to jump, jump up out of nowhere for Rashada. You know, in the, in the black market world of recruiting and how we used to know it, and it still goes on to some extent, you can get pretty creative. You can do a lot of things to assist in your pursuit of a recruit. Now it's 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 kind of straight cash, homie. Like it's one way yeah. to do it, and it's it, it's it 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 limits the playing field down to to who you think is is in the game. That's who's actually in the game. You're not getting surprised very much in this era. Well, you know, I, I looked at the tweet on Saturday afternoon, and I laughed at it. And I know you laughed at it, and we all got a kick out of it. And it's him and Lane Kiffin and a Rolls Royce and a, a and a puppy dog. Yeah, but that wasn't what was interesting. That wasn't. Yeah, that was the funny part. Mm-hmm. The interesting part was he, he, for those who aren't on Twitter, you can at and tag a, a person, a business. Any Twitter or, account. He, he added three specific um, Twitter accounts. One was Rolls Royce. And you could say, well, it's because there's a Rolls Royce right here. But another was Realtree. And there was no camouflage. <laughs> uh in that photo, and I guess you could say that it, there was a hunting dog that you're, you're stretching. Uh, uh, come on, yeah, you're stretching uh, at that point because I I don't think Cash is going to be doing a lot of hunting in in Cash's life. I think Cash is going to live live a pretty good existence. Uh-huh. Um, and and then the other one was uh was uh, Nicholas uh, Air. Nicholas Air. There was not a private jet in that photo. There was no jet in the photo, and and so you know I I think it's I think it's Nicholas Air and Real Tree, which are very synonymous with Ole Miss in different ways. I think you can start to look at something and go, well, you know, it's certainly possible that uh, the the people are trying to put together a potential NIL deal that would, if he signed with Ole Miss, that would involve those companies. Mississippi and, has relaxed legislation with NIL where programs and coaches can and universities can be more involved in in the process, which they were already doing anyway across the country. It just makes it legal now where you cut a lot of red tape out. I mean, crap, whatever. You know, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'll say this about something I heard about Rashada. I think Jaden, obviously, I don't know Jaden. And in full disclosure, he's not happy with rivals. Uh, he doesn't appreciate, he doesn't agree with the ranking that he has. I think we have him at 63 nationally, but we have him seventh at quarterback, I think. And I think he feels like he's better than that. Um, which is his prerogative. I, I wasn't involved in the ranking, and I'm, I'm not one to judge the ranking. I haven't seen all these other kids. I can't sit here and tell you, oh, yes, he's better than Malachi Nelson, or he's not better than Mal-. I don't know. So I'll leave that to somebody else. But my point is, is I don't know the young man. We've texted or DM'd a couple of times. That's the extent of it. Um, but I think he views himself as, a, uh, as an NFL quarterback. And so if you if you view yourself as an NFL quarterback, let's get real about money for a minute. The money as a quarterback is hearing your name called on the Thursday night of the NFL draft mm-hmm. with the second pick in the NFL draft, the Detroit Lions select. That's there's your there's your payday right there. And then in an NFL career. And, and I do think he and his family are um, smart enough 
to not make a decision that's built on nothing but NIL and to make sure they make a decision where they pick the right school and the right program and the right place that can develop him as a quarterback and surround him with talent and where he can play on the biggest stages and, and, and prepare himself um, to audition well in front of the NFL. So I don't think that the decision is going to be nothing but NIL, but I, I do find it to be interesting that his last two visits are to Arkansas and Ole Miss and that Arkansas is kind of conceded by going with a different quarterback. And now Ole Miss is in that spot where they go, okay, well, are, are we willing to are we willing to step up and, and get into this? It's a poker table, and Arkansas folded, and Ole Miss called and said, "Okay, no, we're in. Let's play the hand." Yeah. And part of Arkansas's decision, and I talked to someone up there about it, was it was nothing about the kid. They love the kid. It was, uh, hey, we can't run the risk of not getting a quarterback in this class. I mean, they sort of acknowledged where they are as a program. We got to get a quarterback in this class. We like this Singleton kid, and if we're going to get him, we've kind of got to move on him now. And I'm curious to see whether Ole Miss finds itself in that spot with Marcel Reed, where they go, "Hey, we've we've got to move on him now." So this, I'm I'll watch the Rashada thing with interest, and I don't know whether this is going to come sooner rather than later. But the quarterback um, music musical chairs typically happens by the summer, and uh, we're getting close. The Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by Opa, Oxford's newest restaurant on the square. Euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, uh, handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, and more. All of that at uh, OPA. Now that it's really nice spring weather, enjoy the candlelit patio as well. 306 South Lamar in Oxford. Brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. I'll have a mailbag up, hopefully to you on uh, Wednesday. That's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, and you can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. We're also brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board. Whether you're in IT, engineering, dentistry, accounting, law, manufacturing, human resources, or maybe you don't even know what you're looking for, they can help you at Service Specialist. It's always free for the candidate. All conversations are kept confidential, so you have nothing to lose by giving them a call. Give uh, Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website at servicespecialistltd.com. We're also brought to you by The Rogue. It's your destination for fine men's clothing. Their stylist hand-select pieces from top designers. From work to lifestyle to nightlife, there's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and more. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward and chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Ginny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing available at CorinthDental.com. And we're brought to you by Bell & Grove. 
Uh, based out of Chattanooga, Daryl Oliver and Evan Dial built Bell & Grove, a logistics provider with more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. Bell & Grove specializes in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S. They can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rates possible for their customers. In addition, Bell & Grove can help customers design a custom solution for their shipping needs. Whether your business is in need of moving a truckload, a partial shipment, or a flatbed, Bell & Grove can accommodate you. They also provide both air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, call Daryl Oliver at 865-672-6557. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm trying to think that through. Yeah, um, we'll see. No, I, I just think it, it is fascinating because Ole Miss was at the point right now and just things we hear around whatever where they could have backed off and went, not too rich. Okay, moving on. And yeah. yeah. It is a big sign for Ole Miss, even at that point, whether they get Rashad or not. Now they need to get him, don't get me wrong. But we're willing to play. That's a oh. big statement from Ole Miss is that, no, 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 it's all good. Let's let, let's go from there and see what this looks like. I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, it shows you're, you're at the big boy table. You didn't get put over to the side on the little four top with the with the kiddos. No, it says – Because there's a lot of schools that are over there on that kiddo table going, ah, we, we, we don't get the turkey leg. Well, and there's risk, right? When you if you go all in on Rashada and you don't get him, and by the time that you you look up, Reed committed to Vanderbilt, and he's already got the you know he's already the face of their signing class or whatever the case may be, and you know I mean Arkansas looked at that and said we can't run that risk, and so Ole Miss now is in that boat where you decide, hey, do we make that risk, you know, because or does you know can you get Rashada to pull the trigger, and and maybe that changes the whole fortunes of your recruiting efforts with guys that want to play with him. I, you know, it's interesting. It's but the fact that they appear to be, you know, not only willing but but eager to to compete at that level in in the recruiting game tells you a lot about. I, I think it tells you a lot about Kiffin thinking, hey, this is maybe this is a place where I can get it done. Maybe this is a place that you know where you can win big here. He's he's he won pretty big last season, and you know now he's going to try to do it with. I think he knows he has to do it with a mix of high school and, and, and portal kids. I, as much as they love the portal and they've had success with the portal, y- you do have to think that internally they look at it and go, you know, at some point we've, we've got to get a mix of those elite high school kids to come in. Because if you look at who's winning big, they're winning big by bringing in a lot of elite high school players. So there's a couple of jobs that would still be hard, you know, to keep him where they to be interested. But him thinking he can win here. And we've seen it. We've seen little subtle moves where he's been a little more invested, a little more involved, doing a few more things, just, just sure. stuff, just kind of sure. inching his sure. way into the community a little bit, sure. hanging out. You know, and in fairness, he got here in December of 19 and a pandemic hit in March. That's a good point. And, it's only know, been normal for a little while. Well, I mean, this was the first normal double-decker since he's been here. Yeah. There wasn't one in 20 or 21, so not even a normal yeah, not, yeah. There just wasn't one. I mean, there was a you know, I mean, there was, I think sometimes we, I don't know how we forget it, but we, I'm accused of talking about it incessantly. And yet I think we forget it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know. So it, it, it feels like yesterday and like nine years ago, all at the same time. And you go, oh yeah, well, that's yeah. just, just right there. So topic three. Almost baseball. Um, and look, we're going to do this all week. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go through the crazy minutia and everything that could – we're just going to kind of hit some 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 main topics here because we're, we're going to need the, the 
the subject to carry us a little bit over the course of the few, next few days and weeks. But Ole Miss loses two out of three to Mississippi State. They get back ended again, which has become a pretty common occurrence. Uh, it's happening at South Carolina now and Mississippi State. The uh, the Bulldogs had no answer for Dylan Delucia on Thursday night. Delucia was very good. He threw a uh, he threw a complete game. Ole Miss wins four two. I think was the final. Uh, they get beat on Friday, and then on Saturday they are down uh, six to two at one point. I believe they come back. They tie it up at six. Jacob Gonzalez hits a two-run home run in the ninth with one out to tie it. It goes on to the tenth, then it goes on to the eleventh. And State wins it seven to six in 11 innings to take the series and deliver an emotional blow to Ole Miss that had not been delivered to this point of the season. The Rebels now 22 and 17. I might be off, but I think that's their overall record. They are six and 12 in the SEC. They go to Fayetteville next week. They get Missouri back at home the week after that. They're they're reeling right now. I I, I use this as the basis for my my, my post game on Saturday night and in, in, in written form. You can find it at rebelrev.com. That Mike has done a lot of stuff this week. They get beat by Southeast Missouri on Tuesday night. We were forgetting that was still only a few days ago. 13 to 3, the final score. They get 10 run ruled by the Red Hawks. And he just gave it to them. I mean, he got on them as hard as he's got on them all season. He really did. He he, he blasted them. Uh, on Thursday night, they beat State behind Delucia. But here's the secret to that. Delucia covered up the issues that Ole Miss has been having and continues to have with a great pitching performance. Ole Miss still only had five hits on Thursday night. Let's, make, let's not make it into some all-around team win. Delucia was great, and he won the game for Ole Miss. But Mike and everybody had a big time. They had, you know, it was it was a it was a great crowd. They beat the rivals, all that stuff. It was it was a good night for the rebels on Thursday. On Friday, they lose, and he wrapped his arm around them, said, "Hey, you know what? Just come back. Let's get the series tomorrow. It's all good. It's fine." Which is something he's been doing a lot this year. He's been trying to really kind of keep them up, keep them positive. And then after Saturday's game, that post game, I said ninety seconds in my story, but. I think that was probably overshooting it. I think it was less time than that. Just like, cause as soon as Justin bench flew out, I got up from my seat. I walked around out of the press box and before I could even get about three or four steps down, there was a little bit of a crowd. So I was having to hold up, but they were breaking and already going into the prayer. So, I mean, it was only a few words and to the point that they were really waiting on us. It took a few minutes to get down. They'd already even separated from the prayer. We were going to talk to Kevin Graham and then talk to Mike Bianco and as we got on the field, Kevin, I was the first one out, and Kevin started walking toward me almost in center field. I mean, basically like, hey, let's get this over with. Let me, I'll come meet you, and we'll, we'll move on. And Kevin was visibly shaken. He was kind of emotional. He said there are really no words right now. I mean, he was still kind of processing. It was, a, it was a tough loss. And then Mike said – Michael Katz of the Daily Journal asked him, said, what did you tell the team? What's the message? And he said, there's not really much you can say. He said a couple other things and said, we just weren't good enough. And that's the story of Ole Miss right now is that we can talk about the blunders. We can talk about the lack of pitching. And it's not the game that, oh, God, that, you know, like a SEMO on Tuesday, they just didn't play very well. Ole Miss played okay relative to what they have been playing like. They had energy. They had emotion. They cared. They have not quit on their head coach in any stretch of the imagination. They played their ass off from an emotional standpoint on Friday and Saturday. They just got beat, and they just got beat by a team that had an 80-something RPI and what came into the weekend 6-9 and nine in the SEC, 6-10 and 10 after the, the, the loss on Thursday night, and just not good enough is where this thing's at. It's what's going to cause Ole Miss to potentially miss Hoover. 
I, I don't know tiebreakers. Ole Miss, Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina are essentially fighting for two spots in the SEC tournament. Two of those teams will not make it as of right now. And it's the reason why things have gone into a fever pitch overdrive signaling, barring some crazy turnaround, the end of the Mike Bianco era. Yeah, you know, a couple things that, that strike me about that series. And I, I watched pretty much the whole thing. Um, you're right about Thursday night. Delusia was really, really good. Um, and, and Ole Miss just was who it was offensively, kind of anemic. And hit the ball out of the ballpark. You know, hit, hit, hit a three-run home run that came, you know, one after hitter an after an error. Yeah, yeah, that was, should have been should have gotten him out of the inning for State, and instead Graham made him pay, and it was 3 nothing, and that was all Delucia needed. Turns out the game was over right there. But um, couldn't hold the lead at all in, in, in game two. And then I thought yesterday when Gonzalez hit the home run, the, the thought that went through my mind was, boy, this is one way or the other going to be really emotional now because you've, you've, you've created an extra inning game. And you wrote this, but it was what I thought about. And, and Ole Miss is two extra innings. They don't even put anybody on base. Or after Gonzalez hit the home run in the ninth. Yeah. Everything, he was their last base runner. They had, every, they had eight straight retired after that. Everything was just stagnant. And they ended up getting beat by the long ball, you know, someone, someone hit one out. Yeah. I think and, it was Columbus. Either way. Yeah. And I thought Mike's quote, everybody's like almost been like, it's a damning quote. I'm like, no, it's not. It's the truth. I mean, you ask them on Tuesday night, Hey, I, I need more effort than this. And they go give you everything they've got. If you watch that, there was no, nobody could look at that and go, they didn't, they didn't play hard. They were flat. They, mm -hmm. They didn't focus. They weren't, they weren't present. They, whatever word you want to use, man, I mean, whatever. No, they were all of those things. They were completely locked in. They were, they were emotional. They played with, with spirit and all of those things they played. They were focused. There was, if anything, they tried too hard. Um, but they're flawed. And you wrote this, I guess it was Saturday night. So I saw it Sunday morning. The numbers are right there. Their their ERA in league play is six, six and a half. Six. Yeah, it's almost six and a half. Their runs scored in league play are driven almost half of which by More home runs. Fifty one percent. Fifty one percent. I mean, I mean, the same lineup a year ago, thirty three percent. And that's theory. before you factor in the fact that a lot of times they're not a very good defensive team. Their That's, own base percentage in SEC play is barely over 300. And so, that, you know. That's almost impossible. And so they're 6-12. and 12. They, they got state left. Um, On Tuesday. They got to go to Arkansas, who just lost two out of three to A&M um, in a really close series against an A&M team that, that you got to play at the end of the year at, at home. A&M's going to be playing for something. Arkansas's playing for something. You got to go to LSU still. I mean, I, you know, we can do the whole path thing. Chase and I were talking on Sunday morning. I was uh, getting a walk-in at, at uh, Mike Rose while I was waiting for Carson's game to start. There is no path. If someone said, hey, give me a path where this storyline changes, where 
something happens and we're talking about this team in June, it's really hard to do that right now. I mean, without some sort of a fantasy. I mean, Delusha's really good. He gives you a chance in the first game. Um, they they I mean Hunter Elliott did some nice things, but there's nothing that you're that you're seeing from him today that makes you go, okay, yeah, he's ready to give you seven innings on a on a, a Saturday. And then Derek Diamond's really good the first time through. He consistently gives you three to four innings if you will get him the hell out of there after that. And, I thought and, it was Mike's biggest managerial flaw over the weekend is you gave Diamond a chance to get out of there in a tie game, yep. get out of there with his head held high and goes, hey, I did a really good job. We can build on this. Let's go to next week. And instead, he's come stand by me and after the after the run scored. Like, get him out of there. You know what he is. And I think what that tells you, and you're you're exactly right. I told you, get him on the end of the dugout and pat him on the rear end and go, hey, okay, cheerlead now. Be be a leader. You're one of our leaders. Be a leader. Instead, it's you know he comes off with his head bowed, and you know his teammates feel bad for him and they hate it. But it also tells you Mike just doesn't think he has enough bullpen. <sighs> and there are nights where, frankly, he doesn't. And not oh, to def- not to defend him, but there are nights where I can see how he would think that. No, their because- bullpen, their main guys got bombed on Friday. Yeah, and so, you know, that's fresh in his mind the next day. And so I can see the temptation, even though I was watching it, and I told you this, I was, we were texting back and forth as it was happening, and I said, Diamond's losing it. He's, he's losing his sharpness. He's, uh, you could see it, and I could see it on a computer. You got to wonder why. going, God, can we just get one more? Just one more. And it's more. like, it's just, just milk more. it, just one more, one more inning. Let's get one more inning out. Let's just, 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 just push this one step further towards the finish line. And the answer was no. And he made a mistake and state hit it. And you know the rest. Um, and this is, and this is a difference that I think fans need to hear from the standpoint of our coverage is that, look, we all expect where this is going. It is going to be the end of the Mike Bianco era if things don't turn around. We, 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 we're we fully talking with that to be the reality. But I can't close the book on the season until we get to that point. There's a difference in telling you, hey, this is where this thing's headed. This is what's going on. But I'm not going to sit here and just turn the book over and go, absolutely not, no way, yeah. whatever. And while, look, we all know this is likely not happening, what if they go sweep Arkansas? So right. I'm not putting myself in that bind by jumping out ahead of something. There's going to be plenty of time. Everybody take a breath, chill out, and we're going to get there one way or the other. Well, there's a, there's a, look, there's a professional relationship that, that has to be maintained. Um, I, I give an example, and, th- I, and again, I would not bet on this, but I would bet heavily against it. Um, but if, if you, you know, in 2013, I was covering, was it 2013 or 2014? Whatever it was. I was covering a certain uh, basketball team. 13. I was covering a certain basketball team that was spitting the bit in March. And I asked a question to a coach who I believed, and I was sourced, was not going to keep his job. About his job. They proceeded to go to LSU and win a game that nobody thought they would win. Um. No, they beat yeah, Alabama at house, home. Hit a, hit, a, hit a floater. Yeah, they beat Alabama at home, went to Baton Rouge, won a game that nobody thought they would win. Then they go to the SEC tournament, and Derek Millinghouse hits a shot that I still don't know how, how the hell he made it. And then Kentucky got beat, and so they played a kind of a tired Vanderbilt team. And then they beat Florida, 
And before you know it, they're in the NCAA tournament beating Wisconsin, and they're a, a Jarvis Summers shot away from the Sweet 16. Is that going to happen here? Look, I doubt it. What's my opinion? My opinion is Mike Bianco has to go to Omaha to keep his job at this point. The the scenario where he has this, to go to a super regional for it to even be a conversation. Okay, yeah, in my opinion. And I'll I'll cede to your opinion and still hold on to the yeah. possibility sure. that mine's right. Yeah, sure. I don't think it's going to matter. Right. Um. But that being said, like you said, I mean, from a journalism standpoint, and that is what we do. It would be foolish for us to start putting up hot boards and things of that nature. Number one, it's disrespectful. Number two, it's just would be foolish. And then they go to Arkansas. And, I mean, cr- stuff happens in sports, right? I mean, is the if, if you told me, hey, there's a sweep in Fayetteville, I'm going to go, okay, Arkansas swept them. But if you turned around and said, no, Ole Miss did it, I'd be like, well, son of a bitch. But stuff happens in sports. You yeah. Delusia throws a really good game on Friday, and then this is the game that Elliott gives you six and – Maybe you hit the Arkansas kid who got hit really hard by, by uh, A&M on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you win a slugfest. I mean, A&M just beat Arkansas 11-10 to 10 on Sunday. Maybe you win an 11-10 to 10 game. Is that likely? Of course not. It's more likely that you go up there and lose two out of three. In fact, that if you were doing, you know. A, a, yeah, that's the guess. If, if you were doing a. a, a a projection, a computer thing. I would suspect it would, thing. Yeah, it would probably show you over and over that Arkansas wins two out of three games. And if that's the case, you, you come back and you're seven and 14 at, and, and there's not a real path and you start to talk about it more. But look, as long as there's still life in them from a journalism standpoint, you, you cover it that way. Yeah, you were not going to walk up to Mike Bianco after that emotional loss when he had no answers for anything and he was having to really stare at a team that was crushed and go, hey, do you think you're the coach next year? Well, and if you're going to do that, frankly, you do it in a one-on-one setting somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah, the lesson. I mean, there, are, there are video cameras up that I'm not operating. I mean, yeah. it's, hey, let me do everybody else's dirty work here. No, I mean, yeah. and, and, and it's, the question is, and here's the other thing. Chase knows the answer. He's been covering Ole Miss baseball for a long time. He knows the answer. He doesn't need Mike to tell him. Mike knows the answer. Might be some denial there, which is normal. There might be some pushback, which is human. But deep down, everybody knows. Everybody around it knows that, you know, a, a, a bottomed-out season that doesn't end in a regional or that doesn't end in a super regional or whatever, you know, where, where you – it's obvious Ole Miss isn't hosting a regional this year. I, I think they'd have to go undefeated in league play the rest of the way for that to happen. And Yeah. Um, they're not hosting. That was the goal going into the year. Hey, you host, you're in the possibility to be a national seed, all that stuff when you were number one in the country. And if that doesn't happen, and we all know what happened a year ago, which is a really complicated story and, and, and all of that, that's more to me organizational failure than it is a Bianco failure. But – we know where this is going. I, I think there are people that are expecting, and maybe they're going to get it, Chase. Maybe they are. Maybe they're expecting some sort of an announcement or, or something, but like, you're, you're not firing Mike Bianco in late April, early May when the season's going to end in a month. 
you don't you're not firing Mike Bianco as in not giving him a chance to finish the season, even if he loses out at any point. You're of just course not. not. If he, if they were to lose the last twelve games, because for what? If you think you're going to hire Dan McDonald or at least at least your first call, he still has a lot of games left as the Cardinals head coach. I mean, he's got what, games. You, you're going to fire Mike to just wait on Dan? Okay, great, awesome. Yeah, I mean, every one of the weekends that we just talked about, Arkansas and, and then at home against Missouri and at LSU and A&M, Dan McDonald's got games too. Mm-hmm. He's not going to come – he's not going to go meet the Rebels in Fayetteville, for God's sake. I mean, it's not, it, is, it is what – the season is what it is. And I think everybody sees what, what has happened, and I think most people know what's coming. And if you need that spelled out more – Clearly, at some point that's kind of on you. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. You know, I mean, they're and, and and we're working on the other stuff, and we talk about the other stuff, and Chase works on the other stuff. But I can tell you, as long as I'm a part of this site, we will never put up a hot board. Yeah, I, it, it's what's been, and I'm not really even criticizing anybody. It's been the one most interesting thing is a lot of the people who don't want who don't want Mike to be the coach anymore, they are getting their wish, but still very high strong. And it's like, uh, uh, Mike Bianco has given everything for 22 seasons. He changed your program 20 years ago. Now, whether that, you know, we can debate the the purposes and the, the, the influence of that all we want to, and we will at some point, but he's been a model person in the community for the school. He handles his things and every AD has been able to put his head on the pillow and not worry about the baseball program for two decades. You're not going to embarrass this man, whether it's him wanting to celebrate or him wanting to be mad, but still coach his team and show up every day. You're going to let him do that. And you're going to finish it out the proper way. And then you'll make a decision and you'll move on from there. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And, and the whole, I mean, I'll tell you this, if you wanted to attract an established head coach to replace Mike Bianco at the end of all this. If you wanted to be able to say, Hey, we're going to go out and conduct a national search. The, the most surefire way to make your job unattractive would be to do something stupid. Like, Hey, you're fired. And we're going to let Clement finish the season as the head coach. I mean, that would be like, that would this is this is a, a man that that has won at Ole Miss for twenty something years and is the head coach of Team USA this summer. Yeah. Um, I mean that 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 would be so foolish. And I realize that we're talking to the like one tenth of one percent here, and I acknowledge that. But it's all it, it, this. No, and I mean no one's more disappointed over there than the people inside that program. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought the we're just not good enough quote. I thought was kind of. You know how hard that probably was for him to say that out loud, to think that, to to think that thought enough to articulate it in front of media. Because look, he's a proud man. He feels like he's let his team down. He's let the program down. He's let everybody down. I mean, I see that's the way I even read. Everybody goes, oh, you know, he was talking about the great crowd and the atmosphere, and you know, the, the some of the negatives were like, oh, he was doing it, showing what he built. No, he wasn't. He was. I, I think in a lot of ways he was going, shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. You guys are showing up, and we suck right now. Yeah. I feel like that's more of what was going on at that moment. It was just, you know what? We're, I'm, I'm, no, I mean, he feels like crap. I mean, he didn't want to go out this way. It's a man that, you know, deep down when he puts his head on the pillow, he's going to be proud of a lot of things. And I don't think he's done. I think we'll get another another 
quality job when he's finished at Ole Miss. But had you told Mike Bianco in 2000, in June of 2000, when he was hired, you're going to go to Omaha one time in 22 years, he would have called that an abject failure. Yeah. Would have. I mean, you know, yeah. so no, he's, it, it's complicated. Um, you know, and they you know, haven't had many seasons like this one. And so this is, it's, it's probably the only one. I mean, he's gone 13 and 17, and that's been the worst he's, yeah. he's had. All right. I know we, we've pretty much covered it. We've, uh, We'll hopefully be back with you on Tuesday morning uh, for a, a regular show. This, this was all – I would say this is my fault, but this is the fault of <laughs> the Justice Fayette County Circuit <laughs> Clerk. Um, yeah. This is their fault. This is Jeff Busby's fault. Nothing uh, against Jeff, but Jeff, your name is on the damn thing here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we're hoping we're, we're back uh, with you on Tuesday morning with a regular show. Thanks to Chase for uh, uh, accommodating my schedule. Yeah, so we'll be back on uh, Tuesday. Again, this will go up live. You're obviously hearing it, so you know that. And uh, more at Rebel Grove. Again, Ole Miss and Mississippi State Tuesday night from Pearl. So everybody take care, and hopefully we'll talk to you normally on Tuesday morning.